Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. My guest this week is John the Manimal Beneducci. He is a professional MMA fighter, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He is an entrepreneur. He's made inventions. He has a master in history. He weighed 300 pounds at one point and now has fought at 145 pounds. He is a guy who brings his A-game no matter what he does. I really enjoyed this conversation. It went in a lot of different directions, and he's just a, one of the most interesting people I've talked to in a very long time. I appreciate him doing this podcast months back that we didn't get published until now and letting him uh, let me practice on him a little bit and get some traction on my tires. He is an Italian fighter from Brooklyn, New York, and as we started to talk and I listened back, I didn't realize it at first, but there is a lot of cursing in this episode, so if that offends you, this might not be the one for you, but I wanted to put that disclaimer out there, and I'm never going to have anybody not be who they are. So I appreciate it, John the Manimal Beneduce. Put your earmuffs on if you're underage. This is a great conversation, and I really appreciate it. He runs the Manimal Training Camp, uh, which is a a training camp with a lot of high-level guests and athletes that come and talk about nutrition and mindset and a lot of different training practices. The website for that is www.manimaltrainingcamp.com, M-A-N-I-M-A-L-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G-C-A-M-P.com. I will put it on the video as well and post it online, and you can find him on Instagram. He's got a great, very live, interactive Instagram page. It's at John the Manimal Beneducci, John the Manimal, B-E-N-E-D-U-C-E. Thanks a lot, Manimal. I will uh, be playing this now, and I hope you guys get a lot out of this conversation. I do my training camp upstate and I'm prepping my next one, September 29th and 30th. So we go upstate. I got a place in Cold Springs that we rent out and we do workouts in a day, all organic meals. You should come up, Nick. It's a fun time. We got a pool up there, a hot tub. That's the training camp thing, like the Manimal training camp stuff? Manimal training camp, yeah. That's awesome. So Manimal training camps, that's that's my thing, right? I have a partner for that. And we've been, we used to just do two days, but since we got this place close by, now we do the single day, which has been working out really well. That's awesome. So the Saturday, I do a little more um, regular general fitness. So we do a few different things. I'll do what I call a rite of passage. So we do an assessment, but it's a tough assessment. You know, like two minutes of push-ups, two minutes sit-ups, two minutes burpees. We time a thousand meter row. And then we lift, then we do another workout. So that's like the first one is like an hour and a half. So I like to call it like a rite of passage because I feel like, uh, you know, it's good to get people away so they can focus on themselves. We could do a lot of work in the day that in a regular life might take them a month or two months or to learn what we teach them could take them years, you know, for the info. Then we give them all the info afterwards. I got truck coming up for the Saturday to do some mindset work, then um, Steamroller, uh, Matt Frivola comes up, do some Muay Thai stuff with the guys. Then the Sunday, I'll probably, I have some beginner jiu-jitsu guys. I'll do more jiu-jitsu stuff with them. Some strength and conditioning for jiu-jitsu. That's cool, man. That's cool. You know, so that's been really fun, you know, because I could put a lot of work into someone 
where they're in a very receptive state to learning and growth without having to do a ton of actual time. Like, let's say you train someone, even let's take jujitsu, right? You train jujitsu. You're coming from work. You do an hour on the mat. You leave, right? When you're away, you can really focus on what you're doing. Or you can really integrate what you're learning. And guys, even after coming to a few camps, even though I don't see them all the time, make huge improvements. That's awesome. You know, ends up giving them, you know, fills in a little piece. And they're very receptive to it. So that's been really exciting. That's been a lot of fun. I got to be in good shape for that anyway. You know, I'm going to be on camera pictures. <laughs> so I'm like, I may as well train like I got a fight coming up. That's cool. Because nothing gets you off the couch like the thought of someone punching a hole in your face. You know, so that kind of wakes you up in the morning. Yeah, that's You know, when you're looking for motivation, it's like, fuck, in a couple of weeks, this dude's going to be trying to kill me in Nashville Coliseum in front of all my friends and family. I better fucking train. You know? That's cool. Well, dude, I got to say that if, if you're seeing people that you're not spending that much time with and then they're coming back to you and you're seeing that they're having improvements, I feel like that's a testament to you as a teacher and a coach because some people can, like, you know how it is, dude. There's plenty of guys at jiu-jitsu that we roll with that will completely kill me, but they can't teach me how they did it or show me what I'm doing wrong that's causing that. So I feel like that's definitely a gift. There's a huge difference between somebody who's just giving information and somebody that knows how to teach and how to actually do I, I would assume if you're having that kind of success that you know how to talk to each individual person in a different way too, which a lot of people don't. You know, like Longo is a great example of it, man. Like I'll watch him like corner different guys and some guys in between rounds, he'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? And like that yeah. worked for me. McKenna was sparring with Bowman and we were just there one day and, and he was getting a little down on himself and Longo just Ooh. out of the corner of his eye. Uh, McKenna was getting a little down on himself because I guess he wasn't really doing as well as he would have liked to do. I mean, it's fucking, you know, Bowman's a beast, but um, he came over. I sparred with Bowman a lot for my, my fight in Bellator, the last one. Me, me and Bowman sparred uh, a few times. Uh, good, good, good sparring sessions. Yeah. He fought that kid, Taiwan Claxton, who's like some, they're making some big shit. And that guy's good, but I think it's still, you know, sometimes you can get caught. You know, Bo it's too bad because Bowman's a really solid fucking fighter. Yeah. yeah. You know, dude, I was trying to take him down. And what a freaking bitch. I mean, his stand-up's good, but... Huh? He's a freak wrestler, right? Doesn't Bowman have like... Yeah, he's a really good wrestler. And, uh... I'm like, oh, you best. I was like, get on your back. I'm like, I want to be on top. Me. But, uh, you know, so we, we had some good, uh, couple good sessions, you know. But and Ray in the corner is great. I love Ray. He's like, oh, man, we got to fucking throw the, got to get around his jab. <laughs> I like the, you know, so, um, and then I'm excited to, to get another fight in. You know, I have it. I fought last October. So, um, and I hadn't fought before that in a decade. Yeah, see, I want, I want so, to get into that too. Like that, that's, and I, I intentionally like didn't want to listen. I saw you on a bunch of other podcasts and I kind of didn't want to hear the stories. I'm like, I didn't even know that you lost like a hundred something pounds. That went, what, 260? When I first started, yeah. We got to remember, I'm old school to you guys. <laughs> so, so I saw you fight and I think I had j like just 
started training, we were like white belts, and we were like, we're gonna go to our first pro fight. And that was a good fight. That was a good fight. I was way overtrained for that fight, though. Um, but it was a good scrap. You know, we went back and forth. You know, it was a great fight. So that yeah, that was my last fight before this one. That's crazy. So I got fight, and that fight, I, I only had to get a couple stitches afterwards. Nothing crazy. But <laughs> training for my next fight. I hurt my shoulder and that put me out fucking forever, not forever, you know, forever goes by. Uh, it put me out for a long time. So I had my shoulder, I, I totally messed it up wrestling and I had the bicep tore, the rotator cuff labrum. So they had to go in there. They reattached the bicep, put four anchors in the shoulder, reattached it to the bone, scoped the bone because it had formed a groove that was like making it slip out all the time. A month after I get the surgery, I get into a, a, a vicious car accident. Oh, man. You know, an accident. I'm in the car, and um, the shoulder comes out. Fresh surgery, right? A month old. And that took forever to heal. So I'd say it took like two years to heal. That put me at 2010. Um, by then, I had started to go through the process to own a gym. You know, I had spent more time coaching. So you're like, oh, I must be a good coach. Well, being on the shelf makes you have to coach more. So I spent a lot of years coaching. And I always had clients, even when I was fighting. It's just, it's the most convenient thing to do while you are a fighter. It's a flexible schedule. You can organize around clients. So I had always been training people. But having that layoff, I opened the gym. And I had a CrossFit gym for about five years in Bayside. So when you're doing that, you know, that's an 80-hour work week. So I wasn't really doing that much martial arts training. I was working out, but nothing crazy, you know? And then when I, when I, uh, got rid of my gym, I was like, Oh fuck, you know what? I need to, I want to start getting in shape. And, uh, there was something there. I was like, you know, so with Gabbert, I was like, Hey Gabbert, you know, I was thinking of uh, maybe trying to get something in. Oh, I don't know about the more, you know? Uh, he's like, so uh, I was like, Oh, I want to spar. I was like, you know what? Let me start sparring. I was like, uh, do you have anyone that I can spar with? And you know this guy, Vinny? Yeah, of course. Vinny? I know Vinny a lot. He's like, all right, spar with him. And I hadn't sparred in forever, and I was, like, heavy, too. Not my heaviest, but, you know, with my gym, the stress, I was, like, 205. And I fight at 145 now. So I was, like, way heavy. Yo, we did a two-minute round. I was gassed. I was, like, fucking tired. I'm like, oh, shit, I hadn't sparred in, like, five years. Jeez. Right? When you're in the gym, who the fuck are you sparring? Right? You know, you're looking pretty. Like fucking Thailand or something, too. Like, he's an active yeah. high fighter. And, uh, and I remember just being like, fucking Vinny. I'd be, I was like, how old are you? Like, 21. I was like, give me six months. I'll be kicking your fucking ass. <laughs> they laughed at me because I was like, sounds really silly if you just kicked my ass. I'm like, and then, okay, I'm not going to say six months later I was kicking his ass, but six months later we were having fucking you know, three fives. We were actually doing three threes, then three fives. Damn. Sometimes, you know, like three threes stand up and then take a long break and then doing like some situational stuff with the cage head gear. So, and then I got back in shape. I had my fight in Bellator, came out a little short, you know, so what happened was I, I, uh, I told my business partner, uh, I was like, yo, I want to fight again. He was like, oh, uh, I'll, I'll manage you. I was like, all right, get me a fight. I was like, I see this card upstate New York. I want on Bellator. 
I was like, it's a smaller one. Maybe I could get on it. So he busted the balls, and I wound up not getting on that one. I got on the Mohegan Sun card, and uh, fuck, what an experience. You know, I actually have been taking the last year to write it all down, the whole experience, because it's a lot to process. You know, going through a fight camp again and being, you know, Mohegan Sun is no small arena. No, it's, it's huge. 10, 000, it's amazing. 10,000 people in Bellator fighting some fucking young kid, you know, and I came up a little short, but I did okay. I had some moments in the fight, you know, and, and I've been training the year since. And the truth is, I mean, I think guys are looking at me like I'm the setting sun, but I don't feel that way. You don't feel that you way know? with your role. I'll tell you that for sure, dude. No fucking way. You're a nightmare. You know, I think guys are like, oh, man, I'm maybe trying to get one or two more in, but I'll let the universe tell me what it wants me to do. You know, if that's what the universe wants, I'm a servant of the universe. I let it, if, if that's the way it should go, but I wouldn't be averse to it going a whole different way. You know, I feel really good. You know, that layoff actually might have been a blessing because when I had the CrossFit gym, I did more lifting. Okay. So I was probably doing probably more injury resilient. Right. I wasn't getting hit in the face. So you don't have the wear and tear as if I was fighting. Um, and who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'd love to get on that Long Island card, but if that doesn't happen, I'll see, uh, you know, where the universe wants to take me as far as a fight goes. And in the meantime, I'm still processing the last fight. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was pretty wild getting in there, mixing it up again, you know, getting to go 100%. In real life, in regular life, how often do you go 100%? It's, it's a rare thing, man. It's a rare thing. You get thing. to drive 150 miles an hour down the highway? Probably not. Yeah. Right? How often you get into an argument and you just fucking start 100% smashing face and, you know, take the guy down like it don't happen, right? You, you don't often get to go 100%. So I love the feeling of getting to go 100% no matter how it works out. I never even thought of that. That's a really good point. You just got to get out. There's no holding back. It's not even like, you know, in sparring, you're thinking of weeks and weeks of training. Okay. I got to make it. To, I can't fucking go hundred percent in sparring. I go maybe 80. You start going hundred percent. What's going to happen? Someone's going to hurt because it's a fucking fight. So you get to go hundred percent in the fight. And the speed is so fast. The intensity. I mean, I feel like fighting is almost like a psychedelic experience for me like being insightful. Like I didn't realize it when I was a kid because you're too hype, but, but coming back to it after so much time, it's like really fascinating the experience, you know, I'm like, Oh, the way you hear sounds in the cage, right. You'll hear someone in like the fourth row asking for a beer, <laughs> you know, or uh, you don't hear your corner, but you'll hear your boy in the 12th row shouting something you recognize his voice you're overextending keep your fucking hands up you know you'll hit i'm like whoa he's not even close to my corner i know that sound is from way far away yeah how the fuck yeah. am i hearing him there's a million people million ten thousand people there making noise but you, you're you about that into that did, did, did that happen initially because that's something that i i was listening to you talk about your fight and you it was interesting because you were saying how you you were like, had your back against the cage, you were trying to bait the guy to do like because yeah. you wanted to. And I was like, man, that's crazy that you were that aware 
even after that, I'm at a layoff to do that because I remember after like, my first fight, I remembered a couple of things. And Longo was like, dude, if you remember anything from your first fight, so like, did it take you a lot of fights to be able to, like, were you originally like that? Even going 100%, like you just said, like the second I got out of my first fight, I was like, the next one, I want to go in and try and knock the guy out because it's still like you're transitioning from how you fight in sparring to how you fight in the fight. Like, how long did it take you to get to that point that you could, like, listen to all that stuff and think about all that stuff? Or is it always. Take it all in. Yeah. You know, on the fly. Uh, I don't know. I think it's like a lifelong process. You know, I, I don't think that happens like in a fight. I think it happens like in the gym, in training, in situations. I mean, listen, when we first started fighting, I was just fighting like in the street, you know? <laughs> you know, we would just, or sometimes we would just go to the park with some dudes and fight with MMA gloves. Are you talking about, you gotta remember, I'm a throwback, right? So I started training in what, 2000? You know, Matt and Rodrigo Gracie had a school in the back of a karate dojo. They taught three days a week, three, three hours a week. That was it. And we wrestled hard on puzzle mats, <laughs> you know, and I, we did. I mean, we were going fucking hard for like at least a year before Matt bought East Meadow. That was his first school. And then Rodrigo got um, Limbrook, yeah. which which wound up becoming Rodrigo's guys folded up. Soka, Rodrigo went to Cali. Soka came in and kind of took over Rodrigo's guys. But I had originally started with Matt. So even though I haven't, so let's say I stopped training at, like Matt opened his academy, let's say 2001, I think. We would still train once in a while, right? Because I would go down there and train with him. But more of my training was at Rodrigo. So when Rodrigo left, I was like, well, Matt's my instructor, not Soka. You know, I started with Matt and Rod, and if Rod's not here, well, Matt, you know, started with Matt, and we had trained because me and I don't know if you know Nardu, Deborah owns Budokan and Phil, Phil Nover. So we were like the Brooklyn. We were from Brooklyn. We're from Brooklyn, so we would drive out here together. That was like my crew. You know, we would drive out together and and train with Sarah, and so we would go and train with them. You know, other times, too, we go to the city, to Henzo's. You know, it was like the beginning of the network that you have now. Yeah, yeah. A real raw version of it. Like, now, it's great, right? I go to Henzo's now, and it's it's so funny because we were training on top of, like, the methadone clinic. Yeah, yeah. I hear all these stories about the methadone clinic. <laughs> so, Henzo's just to be on the fifth floor of a building. The other floors were a methadone clinic, transgender reassignment. Oh. So, it was a... So it was both. It was methadone clinic, and then another unit was transgender, often together. A lot of the ones that were there for transgender were on fucking methadone and heroin, you know? So that place was wild. You know, you would go in, and there's, like, junkies on a nod right in the front. Sometimes a guy would wander up to the fifth floor, and New Zealand John would throw him. Yeah. It was so wild. It was so crazy, you know? I could never imagine it happening now unless I was in maybe, like, I don't know, unless I opened a school in, like, Zimbabwe. I don't know. Like, where could you go? There would be some wild. Andrew's school is like that in San Fran. Like, I go there, and I'll train there at, like, 5.15 in the morning, 
and it's like in downtown San Francisco. So as I'm walking out, there'll be like crackheads and trannies and like, I'm getting in the <laughs> and dude just rips out his dick. And like, you know, Kurt, Kurt's kind of crazy too. So I'll be walking out and this like dude chick will be like just walking up to me in like a skirt with like a beard. And Kurt will just be screaming like, is that a guy or a girl? I can't even fucking tell anymore. And I'm like, oh, like just waiting to get him. like, but it's, it's so weird, dude. Like, it's crazy. That's just the, the traffic. And then he's got business guys walking in and fighters walking in and then crackheads like hanging right outside the door. Like it's that San Fran's a weird place, dude. Like a really weird place. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. So yeah, so the methadone clinic, and I think John Danaher had like just got his black belt at that time. Oh, wow. I, you know, it was like, you know, it's interesting having the, the perspective. So I think a lot of things in life are about perspective. And the more I think about it, the more I like to realize uh, how my ego's gotten me in trouble by only seeing my perspective. So even like uh, my book that I'm writing about my fight, I'm writing it from four perspectives and me. And I'm trying to, when I write it, so what I did is I interviewed a couple people like, that were at the fight. My wife, Manny worked my corner. So it was the first time he's worked a corner that big, right? The African and samurai. Like, samurai, African samurai. Good so, uh, that, uh, you know, my partner is managing a Bellator fighter. is like, and then uh, I was going to have my friend, Eddie, one of my friends I grew up with was at the fight. And he's a huge MMA fan. And I was going to get his perspective. And I talked to him about it. But his was very similar to Manny, right? That's your boy. You want to see me do good. And his wife isn't really a fight fan, although she did like the fights. Like, she did get into it. And she was, like, five months pregnant at the time. Came out to the fights. And I, I remember talking to her, and I was like, Irene, what do you think of the fights? She was like, oh, truthfully, I wasn't really watching your fight. I was like, well, I mean, what the fuck are you watching? You know, you're in the arena. Like, yeah. I'm in the middle of the arena fighting. She was like, no, I was actually watching your wife. She was looking at my wife at Tammy and thinking like, what an asshole I am, you know, that I put my wife through that and it's so stressful and, uh, you know, then I'm a dick. And I was like, oh, can I use your end? I like that better. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be all, you know, old animal would have been like, fuck you, bitch. I'm in there fighting my ass off. You don't understand. Right what goes into it but but now i'm like ooh, i like that perspective i was like can i use that i was like i want to write it from your perspective you know like me being selfish all the time it takes away from my family and my and my wife and uh you know and the emotional stress it puts on you and you know what it's like after not doing that for so long you know i'm 37 you know you think that part of your life is done <laughs> For, you know, so I was like, oh, I was like, I like that perspective. I was like, I want to use that. You know, it really puts it in, in frame, right? I don't want to, you know, yeah, it's cool to be the hero, but I like the full character. You know, I like the hero who's a little dirty. You know, like, I, you know, you like the, you respect the knight whose armor has dents in it. He's been in battle, you know? You're like, so I don't want to. <laughs> you're like Deadpool yeah I've been one of my friends did a funny he said something funny he was like I'm like a Marvel superhero with a DC character's background story 
<laughs> now that's spoken like a true Matt Sarah black belt right there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know what's funny? I uh, I went to go get a custom mouthpiece from, you know, Guard Lab. Yeah, yeah. But, and they do any design on it. So I wound up, I love the universe. So I got like a Cosmos design with Manimal on it in silver. But I was tempted to get, uh, they have one with the Infinity Gauntlet with the gems. And I was like, oh, should I get the, the gauntlet like Thanos? And just... <laughs> But I didn't. I was like, I was like, that's even over the top for me, you know. Or a lightsaber on it. I'm like, okay, well, let me get the cosmos. That's, that's as out of this world as I want to get. I like you it. know. You, you really. Uh, I feel like for people who don't follow fighting, that just think like, oh, you know, fighters, or even like, like you said about being insightful and just thinking from a different perspective. I think that's like really interesting because you, you're like a really interesting guy that you're. You've been fighting for fucking 18 years you're smart you're sharp so you're not like this punchy guy you have- well, i also don't have to be fair though uh what do i have six pro fights you know i had a big layoff you know it's still a good amount i feel like that would show even more signs from whatever damage it took back then should be you know what i mean i guess i try to you know i focus a lot on my recovery and um always especially now I'm really always thinking about energy. So what's the law? You can't make energy, but it can't be created or destroyed. You can only switch the form. So if I use energy somewhere, right, I'm putting energy into something. I got to get some energy back. I'm changing the form of my energy, putting it into something else. All right, now what? I need that, that, that can't just leave me. There's energy available. I need some energy back. And I might come in a lot of ways. You know, I make sure I take, you know, some scissors, the Chinese herb. Uh, um, I take, you know, a couple supplements, nothing too crazy. I eat good as much as possible, you know, as long as I'm not, like, super depressed, which happens. You know, my dog died, and that shit fucked me up for a month. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. That's the worst. Uh, fucking Sashi, I had her for 16 years. 15 years and nine months. She was going to be 16. And, and I took it really hard. And... uh I didn't eat for four days. And would you believe I didn't lose an ounce? My body was too, it was like a very traumatic event, apparently for my body, for myself, that when your body's in trauma, it doesn't want to give up a calorie. Right? Like, um, you see those people on like my 600 pound life? Those people have trauma. They're doing traumatic things. Their body is holding on to everything. It, it, thinks there's something wrong so your body holds on to calories like if you don't sleep enough your body's like oh shit something might be going wrong we might need some calories let's store some fat so that in case something doesn't go right we have calories calories is the unit that we move with if you don't write a calorie you need to speak to talk to walk to, to fuck to work out you know for your heart to pump you need it for everything so when your body's in a panicky state, it's like, well, I don't want to stop being able to breathe because if I don't have enough calories to breathe, yeah. shit could get really rough. You know, so my body was just holding on to everything. It was like, I don't want to give up any fucking thing. You know, I didn't want to give up an ounce. It was like, you're stressed. You know, someone in your immediate family group just died. Why? Right? For Why would that have happened? Right? What just went wrong there? So my body was reacting in a really primal way, which I think is interesting. 
because I'm a manimal, right? My nickname is Manimal. And I, I try to follow a really natural way, you know? Like, it's funny. I think of my nickname and I was like, wow, I got really, like, my nickname so fits me because I am a little wild. I, you know, I run around barefoot in the woods, you know? So, um, so yeah, it was like a really primitive response. And, uh, and then once I got over, like, the first initial, then I was eating a little shitty, but even... If that didn't happen, I wouldn't have gained 15 pounds so quick. Like if I like having a donut every other day, most people get away with that, right? Most people get away with that in our fat. My body's like, nope. It was like, fuck that shit. It's like, hold on to that donut. So, uh, but then, you know, otherwise I eat really clean. So unless there's some extenuating factor, I eat good quality grass-fed beef, you know, uh, I don't know if organic produce is always like much better. So sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I do notice a difference with my meat though. You know, like when I get a better quality, I notice the difference. I notice a difference in the quality of the meat, you know? Uh, And as much as I can, I try to get that. You know, listen, if I'm stuck, if I'm out, whatever it is, you know, I'd rather the best quality though I could get. I'm big about quality because I also do a good amount of intermittent fasting where I won't eat for a period of time. So when I do eat, I want the food to be good. I don't want to waste the calorie. I don't want to waste an effort either. Yeah. So the older I get, I don't waste effort if I, if I could avoid it. Even like uh, all the kids have been doing, you know, they go to like Herrick's high school and sprint like two times a week, the, the mm-hmm. fighters. Yeah. And I have a strength and conditioning program I follow, right? I've been a strength and conditioning coach for almost two decades, you know? So I, I know like um, I have a, a run day and it's spread out. So I have recovery time. And when they do, it wouldn't give me the recovery time. And I was like, no, I'm good. And uh, they're like, what the fuck? And I was like, I, I do just in, just about as much as my body can handle. If my body was like, oh, if it gave me the signal, I would do more. Even like now, I added in this uh, kickboxing at Rays on the Thursday. So I used to not go to Rays on Thursday afternoon. But I've been training now since my fight. Uh, well, I broke my elbow in the fight and had to get some stitches. So I took a month. Yo, I broke my elbow on a kick. So um, I didn't even realize how I broke my elbow. But um, he threw a kick, really a uh, hard kick. And I heard it when I watched the tape. It was like, whoosh. And that must have been when my elbow broke. I didn't realize if it was that or if it was me hitting him in the face with my elbow on the ground. I was like, I don't know when I broke my elbow. But I didn't realize either until we were in the hospital. So I have to get stitches, right? I had to cut uh, right above the eye. So I was like blind after <sighs> what a pain in the balls. But it shouldn't have deterred me. You know, that's where the ring rust came in. So what? I had one eye. I had one good eye. But having the one bad eye made me rush. I didn't need to rush. There was no rush. I could have chilled. I really should have chilled, waited for the rounds, and cleaned my cut. You know, and that's that's where the ring generalship comes in. Because I watched Gagard and Musasi had fought that same night as me. So I was already back watching the fights by the time he was on. And his eye got swollen in the first minute of the first round. That was and he won five-round decision. Huh? That was the Shlomenko fight? Yeah. First, like, minute, first round, I call it a shot, and he fought blind very patiently, you know? 
He's like, oh, he was like, okay, I can't see the side. I'm, and I was like, man, that's a that's the difference of ring savvy, right? That's where the cage experience comes in. Yeah, yeah. He, all right, he he has a tremendously adverse situation. The same one I went through that was unable to um, surmount that obstacle along with all the other ones, right? And this guy having fifty fights is like, okay. Take your time, you know. You know what I'm saying. Get, get through the fight. Play safe. Don't take any more. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying. Like his ring generalship. Yeah. That's where you see it. That's where I feel like the layoff is a right. Like your ring generalship a little bit. Dude, As when far, I think about that, game, point, though, all, all I picture is your post after and what are like. You just look so fucking happy still, and like you just love the experience, like good or bad. Like you just. I, I feel like you just always have a good energy, man. You're always finding the bright side of shit. And for somebody to go from fucking no fights at all to like, especially, you know, like I, I, you know, I was telling you when we started talking about this, that I just thought the cool thing about doing the podcast was I would just get to bullshit with people. I like to talk to and they would be from all different walks of life. So if anybody ever winds up watching this, that doesn't really follow the fight world for them to not realize what a big fucking deal it is to not fight in that long and then to all of a sudden be like, fuck it, I haven't fought in 10 years. I'm going to go fight in fucking Bellator. Like, that's nuts, dude. But you fucking, like, you just took it all in and were like, fuck it. I'm like, I, I really like your approach before it and your approach after it and just the whole way you've done everything with, like, taking on your business. And, you know, I just, I feel like your your attitude towards everything is what is always going to make you come out on top, you know? And I feel like for a guy that's had as much business and life up and down and experience, and still just every day waking up, like to just fucking come back and crush it better. I feel like you're going to do just fucking amazing things with your life, man. As young as you are for as much as you've done and you've had your ups and downs. You know, I feel young. I feel young. I do. Like I've done a bunch of shit and it sometimes makes me feel you know what? It's not that I want to feel that way. It's that it's almost like you're expected to feel a certain way. Like I'm expected to almost feel like slowing down. And I don't feel like slowing down. I actually feel like I did slow down. I got, you know, and now I have a chance to to have another season. You know, I believe in seasons. Life is cyclical. There's a winter, not a lot to eat, you know. You gotta, you gotta, you know, put in a little work to starve. You gotta make do with what you have in the winter. Spring comes, then summer, everything's in bloom, you know. And uh, I think it, you know, I'm coming out of a winter. I, you know, I lost a lot of money with my business, uh, and that alone would have made most guys just call it a wrap. You know, I mean, as far as like giving up on what they love to do. Yeah. Oh, I do love training people. You know. Uh, I like what I'm doing now because it lets me like really focus. And I have some private clients, you know, I do, I, I, my private clients, you know, that, that pretty much pays the bills for me and my training camp helps. So I, I do enjoy it. Oh, I got a good one. So I do like to coach. Um, I have, I got like four white belts that do a small group private with me where I coach in Manhattan. So I have some mats here. We lay the mats out. They do two days a week, tonight, Thursday night, Saturday morning. And they've been training for like six months and they were like, we want to compete. I was like, all right. So I was like, let's find something local. So they did that grappling industries thing at Baruch. And those kids were all like, 
winning and placing and, you know, doing really good. And it was so wrong. And I just thought, you know, just some basics. And, uh, and I just, you know, I wish I could videotape all my sparring sessions. I'm good. I have a good eye for coaching. So if I can see myself, I can fix it. But some guys get weird about it. Yeah. And, uh, some guys get weird about it. Like Matt said something once and pool guy is like, don't, you know. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I, I don't, I was like, if you were like, don't post it, that's cool. I, I don't need to post any, but I like it for me to see what am I doing, right? Then I can say, okay, well, I should have did this in this position. You know, oh, I see, you know, I was a second slow here. I misread that signal. So I think it's important. I heard at the UFC Fight Institute, the Performance Institute, they have like a 360 camera around the cage. That's sick. So you could analyze your performance and be like, oh, look, you got hit. But if you would have been an inch off, you would have got missed, you know? Yeah. So I like to look at a few things. And I love, like, looking at the tape, too. Even with my kids tonight, the the kids, they're adults. But, you know, they're kids to me because they're new in the sport. I'm like, yo, bring your matches, which is great. When I first started, you know, we only had those huge VHS camcorders. (laughs) Like a lot of my old matches, I probably have like a hundred grappling matches that never were recorded just because, you know, it was too much work to bring a camera. It was a lot to bring a camera. Yeah. And then, you know, it was like, really think about it. Now everyone has like every match on their phone. Yeah, it's crazy. Your phone stores way more. We used to get like one match for a tape. What if it, we were doing submission-only things? Then we fucking had to come with a stack of tapes. You brought you did half the gym with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. Which is interesting, too, because it was more about the experience. It was uh, like no social media, no distract. It was like very immersive. It was a little different. I do like the social media aspect. I like to watch the fights, see what kids do. And that gets the most uh, reach on my Instagram when I put up my old clips. It gets a lot of, it gets a lot of reach. That's cool. That's cool. Have you always just kind of gone for it and just taken life by the balls like that? Or did something happen that kind of shifted you to just be more appreciative or just kind of be that go-getter kind of guy? I've always been a free spirit, you know, like a little wild, much to my parents' dismay. (laughs) Although, although we have the best relationship we've ever had now, me and my parents. You know, uh, but yeah, I've always been wild and go for it. Oh, what's the, you know, you got to go for it. I, if I want to do something, uh, I can't let that die with me. Right. You got to do it. And I did so much shit. So really, yeah, for, really shit, right. I owned, I used to own a retail store with my father. So that was like the retail is after you do retail, everything is exciting. <laughs> Retail's so boring. It was so boring. It would be like an hour of excitement in a sixty hour week. I worked at Woolworth for a while. It sucks. Terrible. Oh, you know, we, we bought out of Woolworth actually. That yeah. was like we were the last of that type of store, Woolworth. We were the last of that type of store. And much like the dinosaurs, you have to know when to when to go extinct. Yeah. So, so, um, then I, fuck, you know, I was thinking of bringing this thing back, 
you might not remember it. Do you remember I used to make a thing called Power Staffs? It was like a weighted club where the weight inside moved. Yeah. It was a fitness product. So I used to make this fitness product called the Power Staff. If you ask Sarah about it, they'll endlessly bust my balls because I had some <laughs> skanky looking chicks selling it. But I did good with them at the time. But there was no call for it in the market. So once I sold like a number of them to the people on the fringe of that field, it was, it, that was it. Now I see people using clubs in their workouts more frequently. And mine is... Huh? You're ahead of your time. That's what Ray Longo told me. Ray said I was a decade ahead of my time. He was like, oh, Madam, you know, one of my friends, he opened a paleo restaurant uh, 20 years ago. He fucking did shit. Now everyone has a paleo restaurant. Right? Gluten-free. Who the fuck ate gluten-free? So it's like, oh, man, you're right. Like, who the fuck ate gluten-free 20 years ago? If you would open up a gluten-free restaurant, you would have been out of business. If you open up a gluten-free restaurant now, you're crushing it. Lines around the block. Yeah. You know? So I was ahead of my time on that. But I own a pat- two patents. Right? And uh, I've been, I made a few for my camp. And I've been playing with them. And, like, I don't know. I don't know if the universe wants me to bring it back. I might. It, it was a good product. I'm actually, I'll post a video of me using it up later on Instagram and uh, really good functional strength, good grip strength, good for shoulder re- rehab. So that's when I invented them. So after I hurt my shoulder, I liked using these clubs to give myself uh, small muscle stability because the weight inside moves like a slosh pipe. The weight moves back and forth. So it makes you really develop control in your like shoulder stabilizer muscles and it helped me rehab my shoulder. So like, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm in there fucking sparring with Aljo and them and, uh, you know, wrestling with the kids. Well, you know, I'm in the mix. I mean, you know, I do the, I do the training like the fighters do. I just do, uh, that's it. I told myself I'm the outlier. You know, at first I was like, Oh, you know, these kids are outliers. Look how good they are. And I, and then I, I looked again one day and I, I was like, you know what? I'm the fucking outlier. They're the norm, young kids fighting. Fuck them. That's normal. This is the exception. I'm exceptional. You know? They're normal. This, you know, I'm the exception. I was like, so I'm going to start fucking treating it that way. That's awesome. And, and that's how I started thinking about it because it's easy to get down on your. Listen, everyone has. I'm a fighter. I fight with myself the most. There's a lot of internal conflict. You're like, how do you just go get it? Because it's either go get it or I'm there like, you know, you, you know, I'll have my own internal dialogue. And uh, I was talking to my partner and I was like, man, I'm sorry. You know, the last like week or two, I was like, you know, I'm preoccupied because of my daughter. I've been being unproductive. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you made a sale this morning. You know, he's like, you've been putting out content. He's like, you're training, you know, 20 hours plus a week. He's like, you're plenty productive. I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. I was like, all right. You're a tough self-critic, though. Which, which most people that are good are. Did you, do you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast? Did I what? Do you listen to Joe Rogan? Oh, yeah, all the time, man. I love that. Did you hear what Henry Rollins said about Ozzy Osbourne? Yes. I freaking love that, man. That was crazy. So Ozzy, one of the, 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 the gods of rock, right? Yeah. There's not too many other people that you could put up next to Ozzy as far as influence yeah. in music, right? 
And he's backstage. Is there anyone out there? Is anyone is anyone here? He's like, bro, the place is packed. You know, it's 50,000 people. He's like, you're Ozzy Osbourne. He's like, oh, I always worry. No one's going to show. It's so fucked up. Amazing. Amazing, right? Like how, you know, I think everything, I talk to Truck about this all the time. Like everyone thinks it looks easier than it is. And then, you know, under the surface, there's a lot that goes on. And and what makes someone do great things is is that, you know, is like I'm a very happy person, but I'm always trying to see if you can make things a reality. Okay. I want to fight after a decade off. See how that looks. Right. Might listen, it's not a fairy tale though. That's gonna be my second book. So my first book, Fight Night. My second book, this ain't no fucking fairy tale. Because it's not. Like, it doesn't work out the way, you know, and yeah, I'm happy in the picture because what would have been the other story? All right, I, I got fucked up. Okay. I got in there. I got to fucking, you know, crack a guy in the face as hard as I could. Took, a, took down a D1 wrestler. Took down a fucking wrestler. You know, like, yeah. I, there was things I did good there. Yeah, of course, I watched the band a lot. But, but I find the value. I'm like, oh, man, I threw the iron broom. How... How, you know, makes me feel like I believe in myself. And even though I lost, I threw a technique that almost no one throws, that old Kung Fu spinning technique. And I was like, all right, didn't finish the fight. I was like, but man, I was even blind. I was like, you know what? Let's try this shit. Let's see what happens. You know? So I go for it. You know, you gotta try it, you know? Um, and it doesn't always work out. It's not a story, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, but sometimes it works out better. You know, sometimes it works out even better than you could have thought. I feel like when you said like best and worst case scenario too, you know, I'm a big believer that nothing sucks worse than regret, man. So, you know, it's like best, best case scenario. Like you go in, you lose, you fucking, you did it. And like anybody who is ever going to get in there, you know, I, I, I see the levels up there, man. And even just what it takes to get in and fucking show up to train, let alone ever be a professional fighter and get in there and fight. <laughs> show up is tough. Like it, it's not. No, it's tough to show up. You're the man in the arena, though, like that old fucking quote, man. Like, you got in there, you did it, and I feel like that's what you do with everything, you know? And I, I love that. Like, that's the whole thing that I think is the most interesting thing, that no matter what it is, if it's real estate or fighting or being an author or a podcast guy or whatever, like, fear and self-doubt kills more than anything than any failure ever will, because most people will never just fucking go for it. And that's why I love being surrounded by guys like you and truck and fucking Matt Sarah and Al and like my real estate yeah. buddies. I feel like if you ever wanted to go fucking flip houses, you'd crush it. Cause you treat it the same way you treat it getting your fucking black belt. And if any of the fucking real, I don't know if I want to flip houses, but I am looking to do some stuff in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. There you go. Yeah. You know, because my neighborhood in Brooklyn is one of the last ones. That's that sucks. Are you, that's you kind of Huh? Are you East, East New York? York? East New York, Canarsie. Okay, cool. Yeah, the, the Canarsie side is even nice, huh? Yeah, you 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 grew up with Peace Corps, right? Yeah, because Peace Corps, we call him White Mike <laughs> because he was the white guy. I, I'm white too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I was more like Chub Rock. I think they used to call me because I was fat, but I was, you know, I was like a stocky. You know, I was, even though I'm fat, I'm like a round Chub Rock. You, you were like the old fucking Italian giddy gangster guy walking around, right? Yeah, yeah I was like the last guinea, That's you know? Funny. And Mike is like so soft-spoken, you know, called me just, this is white Mike. 
But yeah, uh, Mike. Mike's tougher than you think. Fucking. If you let out the white, if you let out the white Hulk, he would have got his black belt. He's never let white Hulk out. You know, once in like you know he let white Hulk out in like a bar. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he you know, but so technical, Mike. And yeah, we grew up together. And uh, in East New York, you know, my neighborhood changed. My neighborhood was Italian. And then started to change as I was in like junior high school. So then you were getting fights all the time. You know, and even though I had no formal experience and I was fat as fuck and I had no cardio, I was not averse to a good scrap. You know, I'm not averse to whooping ass or taking an ass whooping. Paul, for the course, the pleasures and pain of the flesh exist with the flesh. When we die, you'll experience no pleasure from the flesh. No orgasms and no pain from the flesh, right? No black eyes. And while I'm alive, I want both. And the emotions. I want all the emotions. Pain, loss, love. You know, I want it all. I want all the emotions. I want to experience it. And uh, also not overdo it too much. You got to kind of pace it out. You know, That's some people turn out on it. That balance. Balance is, do you feel like you kind of have that? Because that, that to me, um. I've been trying to find that for 15 years, man, between business and training and life. and just okay. like, I can't. So I, what I think balance is for me, for me, is not consistency. It's feast and, uh, and famine is balance for me. So I'll have great years, right? Offset by some on the surface, not so great years, but very informative transformational years. So everything has its place in the cycle for me. And for me, that gives me balance to know that I'm going through a process, a cyclical process. Otherwise, you feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Right? But this is, this will drive you crazy if you think that way. How the fuck do you know you're not where you're supposed to be? (laughs) You have no vantage point to know where you are in your own storyline. So why even think that? You don't even have a vantage point. Why would you think that? You're, you're making a, a claim about an experience that you have no idea about. Just experience it. Let's see. You know? So I think of it cyclical. I'm like, okay, things suck now. All right, what can I learn? What's there to be learned from this? All right, let's say I really want to fight Nassau Coliseum. I want to do that. So let's say it doesn't happen. All right. So I don't stress about it. Whereas like, me and my wife are opposites. She was stressed about this. Do you, and she asks me, she's like, do you have an opponent? You know, what's the deal? I was like, no, but I'm training. She's like, well, I, I don't know what to do. So you don't have to do anything. I was like, you just, <laughs> I keep doing my thing. I put my work in and that's not going to go bad. Right. Doing my end isn't ever going to go bad. Right. And then we'll see what that folds into. So I know that, okay, let's say this doesn't happen. All right. There'll be a setup for something else. I'll be in better shape. Perhaps getting things exactly when I want it isn't the right thing. It might be too soon if you get it exactly when you want it. You might not be ready for it. Maybe the reason I didn't fight for a decade is because I wasn't ready for the success of winning and dominating, which I, which I imagine will happen in the future. Uh, but I don't know that. But that's what... I would like the favorable outcome. Of course, I desire the favorable outcome. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to desire the unfavorable outcome. That could happen. 
but I don't want to think about that. I want to think about the favorable outcome. That's what makes me want to do it. And when the if 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 something unfavorable happens, learn the lessons. And if something favorable happens, can you learn the lessons? Which is the tougher part. Because what do you know what I hate? That saying, you win or you learn. Uh, you learn or you learn. You should learn both ways. The problem is that most people don't learn enough when they win. I try to take the whole experience. What, what does it look like? And I don't have a great vantage point either, but if I at least acknowledge that I don't, it gives me a better vantage point. Well, your, your self-awareness is insane, man. Like most people, like even what you just said, when you, you started out going, hey, I want to write my book from different perspectives. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then what you just said about how I was like, I can't find balance. And you're like, well, from your perspective, but who the fuck are you? Like, that's just one way of looking at it. I was like, shit, like I've never even thought about that. Like I'm comparing that to somebody else, but what does really anybody know? And even the <laughs> fact knowing like right or wrong, the fact that you're stepping back and going, what are like the different ways I can look at the good and the bad of this and learn from it? Like, I just think that that's something that most people don't fucking do. And the people that I know that do something really tragic or like massive or like, you know, something terrible happened that people wait for that shit to, to change. And that's why I think you're like a really interesting anomaly that you didn't really have something that was like catastrophic or some type of catalyst that made you the way you were. just like that. I think that's incredible. I mean, I've been more self-aware since I closed my gym because that showed me a lot of errors in my ego and how I was feeding my ego and uh, the things that led to me not doing as well at the end as I should have. So that was pretty catastrophic because I struggled with my identity, which most people do and don't even know. Most of the issues people have is because of their identity. They, they struggle with their own identity. And my identity had become tied up in being the owner of this place. So when I lose that, it gave me some space to find my identity again. And uh, I found, this is going to sound silly, that my identity doesn't have to really be tied to anything. You know, I, I just, as much as possible, do the things I find fulfilling. And then I leave space open. I leave a lot of open space to do things that the universe might want me to do. Let's say I do your podcast right now. Right? I, I gave space in my day here, right? Whereas when I had my gym, I wouldn't have had the time to do this. It's, it's all focused on that. I had no space for the universe to coach me. The universe is my teacher. If I don't give it room to coach me, if I don't show up to class, I can't learn anything. So I make sure I have time to show up to class. Right, well, okay, well, what do I do a podcast with you? I love doing that. Maybe someone might hear something that I say, and that'll transform them. And that's what I look for. I, like, I love transformational experiences because I've gone through so many myself several times. Right, I was fat, lost all that weight, became a pro fighter. I've got hurt you know, was on the shelf for so long, you know, had all different businesses succeed and fail. And through each iteration of that, you know, magnified some qualities and minimized some others and continually try to have a transformational experience. And that's been very fulfilling. I mean, I, you know, I joke with my wife and I'm like, listen, I'm 37. If we go by life expectancy, which, you know, I could die sooner. Who knows? Uh, I should live another 50 years, right? If it's going the way it's going. I was like, how fucking exciting is that? I was like, four years? 
I was like, the first 10 years are a wash, right? Because you're a kid. <laughs> I'm like, so you're talking about, you know, double the time I've been doing shit to do more shit. I'm like, that's pretty exciting. Take your time. I'm like, you'll do plenty. That too. You know what people do? Uh, so there's a great saying I love. I'm a, I have a master's in history, Nick. I didn't so, know. I was philosophy. I was going to ask you that. I was like, damn. I have a master's in history. So my specialty is ancient Rome. Ancient Mediterranean studies, but ancient Rome. Ooh, my part of the globe, man. She's obsessed That's with all that. part of the globe. <laughs> the Romans took over the future. Remember it. A lot of the things they did, we can't even duplicate that we tried to. The way they made concrete. Look at the Colosseum. That shit's still there. We have freaking bridges that fall down over here. You know? Yes. So, so Augustus said, make haste slowly. So you want to move along, but you don't want to rush. You move along and things get done fast. You do a lot. You know, my, my, I do a lot of fitness coaching and people want it really quick. But what they don't realize is it actually happens way quicker than you think it would if you take your time. And I think it's like that with most things in life. Cut a corner here and there, try to be quick. You wind up being slower because you make an error and you got to redo. Yeah. Whereas if you just took your time, you'd actually finish way faster. You know, think about jujitsu. When you fuck up, you, you go for something too soon or too late. All right. You, you miss your timing. So what you want to do is maximize timing or you want to be at the right time. Like, uh, Aljo was like, said something to me. He's like, I really, he's like, that I need to be like 10 pounds lighter. You know, it would help if I was 10 pounds lighter for him. And I was like, I will be 10 pounds lighter in four weeks. Right, not now. Uh, if I'm 10 pounds lighter now, I'm going to be depleted and I'm going to get hurt. And that don't make sense to me. Right? You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like, okay, I, I am going to do that. Yeah, that's on schedule. But, it's going to take me a month because if it takes me a week, I'm going to get hurt. Like, I know that, you know, I'm like, okay, let's, and I can, I have empirical data, right? I know I see that happen all around. How many guys you see can't wait for a fight fast to get injured? It happens all the time. I, I don't like to go below 175, 180 in normal life. Like, I like that. For the fight, I'll wind up walking around lighter, like 162. But for like, look, and what the girls like, too. Actually, ladies, the ladies don't like them. I'm too skinny. You know? <laughs> so, you know, which is interesting. Like, when you when I am the most defined, they actually, like, when I'm, like, a little jacked, but, like, not too ripped. Which is interesting. My wife doesn't like when I'm too skinny. Well, that's what you Roman know? always says. He's like, those dudes that are all fucking muscle heads, like, they do that for other dudes. Like, girls don't like that shit. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> they're doing it for other dudes yeah <laughs> that's why we call gym the gym gay church it's like <laughs> you know who fucking notices Nick who notices your packs dudes <laughs> girls don't notice that shit girls are like you have if they compliment you it's like you have beautiful eyes like if my wife gives me a compliment on my body dude I have to be, like, close to the fight, you know? Like, for me to get a body compliment, right? Yeah. But if she'll give me a compliment, it's like, oh, you, your eyes are beautiful today, right? Like, what, girls are like, man, you're fucking pecs. Wow, bro, what do you do for your eyes? <laughs> you know, your girl's not like, Nick, your calf definition's incredible. 
Right, that's what dudes. That's what dudes know it is. I, I just saw, uh, I, I went to a comedy show. It was uh, Jeff Ross and um, David Telling, the Bumpy Mike's thing. And there was this big girl at the opener. And she's like, everyone's like, when are you going to lose weight? When are you going to lose weight? When are you going to lose weight? She's like, when I stop getting laid. She's like, I get laid every night. She's like, yeah. I'm lose weight. And she's like, nobody gives a shit. She's like, she's right. You know, like, people don't care. So, yeah, she's right. Like, she'll get laid. Especially charisma. You know, if someone's charismatic, you know, they could get away with being a little heavier. I tell you what, Nick, even when I was fat, I fucking got laid. I mean, yeah, I, I just, and I, I, I had this one girl, I was like 18, and this other girl that I went to school with, 18, she was like a fucking Polish gymnast, like 100 pounds ripped, and uh, she's like, you're like big hairy bear, you know, she's like, I love that. <laughs> And she just loved, like, my fat body type. She would just, you know, she was so little, right, that she would just, like, jump into me. You know, she was like, so, uh, so I'm like, all right. I was like, fucking doesn't matter, right? Like, you'll find, what's my mom says, a cover for every pot. You'll find the one that likes what you have. It comes down to energy. Like, you have good energy. You got a good outlook on stuff. I feel like to, to just people in general, that's always a more attractive thing. Like, and that's why I think I have a good, I have a good marriage. I will say this. I have a good marriage. I try to, you know, there's been times in my life I've been married uh, almost 10 years. Good for you, man. That's awesome. And that's fluctuated, you know, in, you know, over the course of 10 years. I mean, think about how much you yourself change and then the marriage changes from being young and ambitious and thinking this is going to happen, X is going to happen, Y is going to happen. And then being with a wild motherfucker like me, (laughs) it's got to be crazy for my wife. But she's wild, too, in her own way. Probably wilder than me, but in a different way. Um, and and I think now our relationship is actually better than it's been in a long time. I actually is going to sound weird to my wife. I want to do like some couples, I don't know, building stuff. You know, like some skill building. And I, and I don't want her to think that I think we're having problems. <laughs> I was just, I I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, oh, I have so many coaches that helped me get better at things, right? So I have a business coach, helps me with my business. I have a jujitsu coach, right? I have a wrestling coach, right? Would be my striking coach, right? I have a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I'm like, I don't have a relationship coach. And my marriage is part of my life 24-7 and will be for the foreseeable future, right? And I'm like, I don't have a coach from my marriage right like so that but i don't know how to say that to my wife without her thinking there's a problem like there's no problem yeah you know there's my jujitsu good if i wanted it to stay the way it is that'd be all right but i don't want it to be better i go to the city i go to henzo's so i could get a different look from from danaher who i always have respected and trained with before so i don't mind minding my past either you know i try to you know even like loyalty for me, I try, you know, I try to, you know, come up with the guys I came up with. That's loyalty to me. You know, you, yeah. you support the guys you grew with. You know, that's a big part of loyalty to me. You, you guys. People in life like the, um, cause you, you're such a positive guy and you've been around the same guys forever. And like the, the names that you're saying, like, it doesn't get better than like like Longo. I I met Bruce Buffer in the freaking elevator at one of the casinos, and uh, I was like, "Hey man, I train with Matt Sarah and Ray Longo." 
And he's like, Ray Longo is one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met in my Godfather. Life. That's the Godfather right there. Yeah, man. Like, doesn't get better than those guys. But are, what do you do, like, in your other aspects of life if you have other people? I, I don't know. Like, friends, family, business stuff that people are just, like, negative or downers or fucking drainers or just bad energy or fucking complain about everything. Like, how do you – do you just cut that out or – like, how do you keep yourself from having that drag you down? Because I feel like it's where a lot of people struggle. And, you know, Matt, no. you put them every weekend. You're wrong. Knuckles, waterfall. Not that you're wrong. Not that you're wrong, Knuckles. But where I see negativity, I create more awareness. Because they're an actual – they're actually telling you the truth. Right? They, like, whenever there's someone that's being negative, that's a response. Okay, what are they responding to? Now, listen, sometimes it could just be their attitude. Other times, their fear will cause a reaction that, that my lack of, you know, trepidation didn't cause. All right, what is this person scared of? Why do they think this won't work out? Let's think about this, John. Take a second. All right, they might be right, but that might not stop you from still doing the thing. Okay, what's the issue? All right, John, you could get hurt. You're right. You're right. You're not negative. You're right. I, I, I could get hurt. Probably will. Probably will get hurt. It's just the way it is. Nature of the beast. I'm okay with that. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate your concern. That's great. You know, I'm happy that you're just and then maybe that'll make me more cautious. All right. This person, you know, maybe they know the fight game. All right. They think I should be cautious. Be cautious. I don't know. There might be a lesson there. Don't just cut them off. I don't want to be around them too much because they can you know, try to influence that. But if they're there, why? Uh, why are they there? So I'm trying to learn everywhere. I'm just, okay, why is that person negative? All right, why do they think I shouldn't do that? Okay, now I think about it like this. So I used to make power staffs, and everyone said it was stupid. And, that, and I probably could have did it more back in the day, but when things got sluggish because everyone said it was stupid, I stopped sales got slower, right? So let's say the first 18 months, I made like 300 grand, right? And then let's say the next six months, I made like 40 grand. That discourages you, right? You know what I'm saying? Like imagine real estate. Let's say you start up, you start. And your first year and a half, you make two mil. And then your next six months, you make like 30 J. You get discouraged, right? And everyone telling you it's stupid puts it on the back burner for you. And you're like, oh, this is tough. A DP issue came up, it makes you like, all right, maybe they're right. But, all right, would I have wanted to persevere with that? Or would it have been too hard to do it for 10 years? Whereas now I could come back to it after 10 years and maybe do it better. Way better, way easier technology. Make it in America because now it's more favorable to manufacture here. Whereas I was making shit in America before and making stuff in America 10 years ago was really hard. You know, it's really tough to manufacture here. Now you can more. The laws are more favorable, right? Is that, so So what I originally thought was bad that they stopped me, I don't know, is it? It's hard for you to, I don't want to over simplify the feedback I'm getting. I don't want to be like, fuck it, that person's not right. Which is what I would have said to my friend's wife 10 years ago when she said I was selfish and a dick. How could I put my wife through that? I would have said, fuck you. I'm a fucking professional athlete, bitch. All right. Fighting in the biggest stage in the world. Show some respect. That's what I would have said 10 years ago. 
That's what we said, right? But what I say 10 years later, oh, it's a very interesting perspective you have there. I like that. I like that, that look at me, you know? You're probably right. It is a selfish endeavor, right? So selfish, she'll say it's not selfish. So, yeah, I want to I wanna see that. You know, so I'm not necessarily averse to that. Of course, you don't want the negative person around you all the time because they're not doing shit either. Yeah, yeah. But they could be a mirror. You know, are they showing you something you might need to pay attention to? That's really exciting, yeah. man. You're, you're like, uh, I, I've been trying to get a fight. I want to fucking, I think the best fight with a big name guy in Bellator for me would be Dylan Dennis. If he okay. came down to 55, right? So I've been calling him out. So I called him out on one of his threads and a dude goes back and he's like, dude, you're a 50-50 fighter. You know, uh, you would lose to a fucking, you know, white belt, uh, a 10-year-old white belt. So I responded back to him. I was like, first of all, Dylan Dennis only fights white belts. I was like, second, I was like, I guarantee you, I will beat four 10-year-old white belts in a fight. What do you, what do you say? Because like exactly what you just said is exactly what I see in the real estate side is people go, first off, they all think it's going to be easy and then they struggle or they have a bad deal and then they go, you know what? Everybody was right and they fucking quit. Like, what's the thing? Because that, that's where I see is... You know, what I've been telling people lately is like, you want to get into real estate, yeah, but you want to stay in. Like, you want to get into, but you, like, I never got into not get a black belt. Like, that's always going to be what I'm pushing for. Like, how do you... I guess they would have to reassess. You have to always address the difficulty. So it might be too difficult for that guy to be successful in real estate for him, for what he's willing to do. So he's going to have to always reevaluate. Like being a fighter, right? You're gonna to have to take every every time you do something, you might you reevaluate. Okay, do I want to proceed? Right, and you want to try to you know there's a fine line between doing just enough and doing too much. Yeah, and you're, you kind of have to like eat shit for a little bit. So, right, and anything, especially real estate, like you probably have guys that your first few flips, it's tough. They don't make much money, you know, or they lose money. Yeah. Yep. You could lose money, right? But what they're gaining is experience. Exactly, exactly. So what they don't understand is that money lost is experience gained. Yeah. I tell I, you know what I, I wish I could I could have did? Actually, I did do it. You know what I've done my whole life? I've spent money on my education that I could never have gotten in school. Yeah, yeah. Agree. I, I tell I you those, I've learned way more than the, the deals that have gone bad than the deals that have gone good. Way more, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, um, okay, I lost, like, let's say, I'm just going to throw a number out there. Let's say a quarter of a million dollars at my gym, right? I couldn't have got the education I got for 250 grand. Where would I have go- gone to learn it? Who would have taught me about my ego and the dangerous paths that it led me down? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Who would have showed me, um, you know, my inability to manage? others who would have shown me my weaknesses in the field like that you couldn't have found the person to pay to teach you what i learned yeah you know so i'm like oh that's like a real world real world education and then the next time you go into a business there's all those things that you know that maybe that was prepping you for the next thing that you're going to build you know oh yeah like my training camp now i was like okay well what do i suck at i suck at management all right let me find a partner that's mad organized He's going to make sure everyone pays their invoice and fucking show up at the camp and tell them where everything is and manage. And what am I going to do? 
shine like the sun, you know, put the energy out, be positive, be me, you know? And I'm like, but I wouldn't have realized I need a partner. I would have started without one. And, and, and let's say I grew this big. Let's say I, when I grow it big, there'll be holes there, but now there won't be. Right? Because as you grow, you'll be smoothing the cement over, right? Instead of leaving gaps in the brick. I'll be covering it. He'll, I'll put a brick. My partner lays the cement on top. I put, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have... The boat. Now we'll sink next time. Yeah, exactly. So that so you learn so many lessons about what you're good at, what you're bad at. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's been a ride. Uh, so yeah, Nick, um, you want to go over anything else? That was a great. That was that's a good over an hour. Dude, you you making me think about a lot of stuff that I haven't thought of. Like everything you're talking about in the perspectives, man. Like you're like you're making my wheels turn and making me think about things in a lot of different ways. So I I appreciate it, man. I'm really glad that. That's we- good. If I could. That's all I want to do. If I could, you know, deliver some insight and help a person transform themselves, you know, it's that's my life. I think that's the life's purpose, right? I'm a little instrument of chaos. I'm a little instrument of chaos, and where chaos is, opportunity follows. Yeah, right. So a little transformation, a little chaos. Transformation is chaos. Bring a little of that in, and then the person will have a transformative experience that'll take them to the next level. That's what I think the universe is here for me to do, and I don't question how. Just put me where you want me to be, and I'll do what I'm supposed to do. That's you know, that, I'm not stressing the fight that much either. I'm like, yo, put me where you want me to be. When you think I'm ready to do it, I'll be doing it. And if I'm not, I'll be doing something else. Yeah, you know, I'm okay. I'll be doing the same. I'll be helping in that way because you know, I'm hoping that what the universe needs me to do next is smash some young kid <laughs> to give him perspective. You know, that's what I'm hoping. That's that's. I'm putting that out there for the universe in case it, you know, would like to see how that looks. There was literally 50 different directions that we didn't even get to touch on that I could have talked to you for hours about, man. So I would definitely love to talk to you again for sure. All right, Nick, you're the best. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Good luck, man. Right. I'll see you soon. Good talking to you. Take these, brother.